Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Today I have a special episode because I have a guest. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Joe Tada. Now I just want to get onto the show here with Dr. Joe Tada. He's a doctor of physical therapy, board certified nutrition specialist, and functional medicine practitioner who specializes in treating persistent pain and lifestyle-related health issues. His mission is to create a new paradigm around treating persistent pain, and reverse our global pain epidemic. He is the creator of the Healing Pain Online Summit and the host of the Healing Pain Podcast, designed to broaden the conversation around natural strategies toward solving persistent pain. Dr. Tata is the author of the best-selling book, Heal Your Pain Now!, a revolutionary program to reset your brain and body for a pain-free life. He's currently in private practice, and he is also providing online health consulting to help people achieve a pain-free life. Learn more by visiting Dr. Joe at www.drjoetata.com. Dr. Joe, T-A-T-T-A dot com. That link will also be in the show notes, so be sure to check there for the title of his book and his website. Dr. Joe Tata, welcome to the show. Hi, Gina. It's great to be here, and thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so glad because I am thrilled that you wrote this book. It was it was a, a real eye-opener as to putting all the pieces together. Often people are dealing with things from different angles, but you put together the emotional, the physical, the nutritional. I just think it's a great combo. So I wanted to ask you, before we got really into some questions here, how you got to this place to be studying this physical therapy in the way that you have. Yeah, it's a great place to start. And and my beginning actually begins with my mom, who actually um, had quite a number of struggles with anxiety. So I love talking about this topic. So when I was about eight years old, my mom went through kind of a, a crisis in her life where she was working as a nurse in a hospital on the adolescent cancer floor. And she actually worked the night shift. So during the day, she'd take care of me and my brother and my dad in the house and the kids and all the things that super moms do. And the night she would go to work and she'd work the night shift, which we know is, is very challenging for many people in healthcare. And she would take care of adolescents who had cancer. And this was back in the 80s when we didn't really have the treatments that are available today. So a lot of these children were, they were very sick. Um, some of them were obviously terminal. And my mom did that for a number of years, probably about three or four years where she worked that kind of shift and, and kind of burned the candle at both ends, as they say. And when you are a healthcare practitioner, there's also a, a even greater level because you're constantly on, you're constantly, you know, providing care for someone. So she really got to the point where she really just had enough and she struggled with anxiety. She struggled with, with um, digestive issues and she struggled with pain in her neck and her back and really a host of other symptoms that developed in her life kind of from this, this one transition that she was going through. So What's fascinating to me is I watch my mom go, go through this, you know, obviously through the eyes of a child, 
But I watched her heal herself naturally. So within a couple of months, she changed a number of things in her life. And she was really mindful and conscious of what was going on. And she really changed these things naturally without drugs, without surgery. And watching her do that didn't traumatize me as a kid. It actually excited me. And I, for some reason, then I picked up this, this really thought of, wow, I would love to learn how to teach other people how to do this. So how to help people with their health. And I didn't know what that meant as a kid. And later on, I figured out that I wanted to be a physical therapist. And oftentimes, as physical therapists, the, the primary complaint that we're seeing from people is, is pain, is chronic pain. And over the course of years, of course, I got a, a clinical doctorate in physical therapy, and I've worked in almost every single part of, of, the pro, of the profession, from hospitals to outpatient centers and all different types of patients. But most of, most of us nowadays, we're seeing chronic pain on some level in our practice. And it's, as, as we know, it's a major national and global problem. It certainly is. That's a very interesting journey into into uh, your work that is so profound now. I love the roots. I love that your mom had part of that. It's the kind of thing that lights the fire for you. So even though it's a lot of work and you've had a lot of training, uh, it, it's a personal it's a personal thing too. So thanks for sharing that. I you know you ended saying about our global and national and global problem with pain. So could you talk to us a little bit about exactly what pain is and why it's not what we think it is or what we think it represents? I sure can. It's a great place to start. When we start to talk about pain, we try to explain pain to patients. And as we explain what pain is, it helps them deal with their their current situation and, of course, deal with their pain and suffering. Acute pain is is the pain that we all know. That's the pain that you get when you fall and you scrape your knee or you sprain an ankle or you break an arm or you break a leg. That's acute pain. With acute pain, there's actually tissue that is injured and damaged. And when that tissue is injured or damaged, and that tissue could be muscle or bone or ligament or tendon or even nerve, when that tissue is damaged, your body goes through a natural inflammatory process, and that's a good thing. The inflammatory process is how your body heals an injury. As your body is healing that injury, you'll see the, the joint or the body part go from a state where it's red and swelling, swollen and painful to eventually a state where it's returned to normal and there's no swelling, there's no redness, there's no pain. And obviously you're happy and you go about your life. For some reason, we don't know why. We're still trying to figure these things out, but we're, we have a lot of clues as to why these things happen. For some reason, pain can persist in people beyond that three-month period time or beyond the period of time where the healing has now stopped. So in essence, you may have injured yourself, you've gone through those phases of healing, and even though the redness and the swelling is gone, for some reason the pain has persisted. So those are the differences between acute pain and chronic pain. They're two very different things. With acute pain, we have a wonderful healthcare system that knows how to handle acute pain, and obviously you know, it saves lives and it's very important when obviously you're in an accident and that could be a little accident like a trip and fall or it could be a, a large accident like a car accident. However, with chronic pain, many of the treatments that we've developed don't work for chronic pain. And those are specifically things like drugs and pharmaceutical medications and surgery. And we can talk about some of those in the podcast today. This is big stuff, this difference between the chronic and the acute pain. And it seems, I, I mean, I could be totally off base because I'm not in the medical community, but that the uh, pain gets treated always as acute. I mean, I know they're calling it chronic, but they're still treating it 
often as if it was, it just happened. It was yeah. acute. Do you see, is that happening or is that my imagination? No, that that's true. I'll, when I did some research for my book, Heal Your Pain Now, I discovered that the average physician only receive, receives about four to nine hours of what's called pain science education. So pain science education is a, a part of neuroscience that teaches practitioners what pain is. And it really starts to separate that acute pain from the chronic pain. So if you're a physician, what you do for a living is wonderful and you've been educated on acute pain and you've been educated on how to treat pain from what's called a biomedical model. So in that biomedical model, we use things like anti-inflammatory medications, opioid painkillers and narcotics and surgery and injections to treat acute pain. And like I said before, that's needed and that's wonderful. With chronic pain, we look at chronic pain or we should be looking toward chronic pain as what's called a biopsychosocial response or perspective. And what does that mean, biopsychosocial? It means that there are changes that happen both in the physical body, in your in your joints, in your muscles, and the nerves. But there are also things that happen much, much deeper in the brain and in the, in the nervous system itself, in the central nervous system. And we have to take a very, very different approach when, when we treat chronic pain. So we, we're rapidly moving toward this biopsychosocial model. It's a big fancy word. It just means that your thoughts and your emotions are a large part of your pain experience. And your pain experience is specific to you as a person and what you've been through in your life. So no two pain is the same. And even with people with the same type of injury will experience pain very differently. Now the challenge we've had with this, Gina, is that we're still holding on to this biomedical model and we've treated probably millions if not tens of millions of people with things like opioid painkillers which really are not a good treatment. And this has been proven both in science and it's been backed up by the National Institute of Health. And of course, those of us who work in, in clinical practice know this, that they're not a long-term solution for chronic pain. And unfortunately, it has led us down this path where each year about 20,000 people die from opioid overdoses. And we probably have about two to three million people that are addicted to those pain painkillers. Have you tried one skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 face moisturizer and OS1 eye cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Yeah, it's a huge problem. I see a lot of it myself. 
it's because there's a lack of understanding of what's going on with the pain. And I really I like the way that you explained it. And if people are struggling with pain, I really want to highly suggest that you grab a copy of Heal Your Pain Now. You're going to be amazed at the information that's in here and what you can actually do for yourself. So moving on there, uh, now that you've, t- you've kind of opened that up a little bit, and we can see now that there is an emotional part to our pain. Now, I'm wondering if you can see if there is thoughts, feelings, emotions that can actually cause pain in and of themselves and what the connection between stress, because that's what we're dealing with here on this show, and pain. Do you see people coming in who have had a lot of emotional injury and negative thoughts that are in pain? Absolutely. What's really fascinating about pain is that the definition of pain, which is pain is both a sensory and an emotional experience. So when you bring the emotional part into the pain equation, you are actually bringing someone's psychology into their chronic pain experience. So let's let's delve into that and let's think about it. Let's look at what happens to someone's emotions when they've been dealing with pain for a long time. Oftentimes they have fear of what what pain could do to them, meaning are they going to be able to be active? Are they going to be able to go to work every day? Are they going to be able to be vital for not only themselves, but maybe their family members and their friends? So fear is a big component of it. And oftentimes fear leads to us avoiding things that can be healthy for us, like activity. And we know that exercise is one of the best ways to heal from chronic pain. That's obviously what physical therapists do. They give you prescriptive exercises that are gentle, that help you get moving again and restore your function. The other thing that often comes up for people with pain is anger. In my in my book and, of course, in my, my own journey, uh, working with people with pain over 22 years, the average person with chronic pain sees upwards of 10 practitioners before they can ra- really figure out the, the, the puzzle, really, to what's causing their pain. Now, if you think about that, It probably takes them about five years to work their way through the 10 practitioners and the tests and the procedures and the imaging studies. And after a while, you're either going to wind up depressed because you can't find a solution. And we know that 50% of those with chronic pain are also diagnosed with depression. And it also makes you angry or very frustrated with the system. And people often say, why can't anyone help me with my pain? Why can't I find a solution? And ultimately, when we go down that road and the emotional components, and there are many that, that are included in the pain experience. It could be sadness. It could be guilt. It really depends on you and the situation you're in. But ultimately, when you get stuck in that loop, when you get stuck in that pain-fear cycle, ultimately what winds up happening are what's called pain-catastrophizing thoughts. And with pain-catastrophizing thoughts, rumination happens. So you think about your pain constantly, and you have these thoughts in your head, and they kind of go like this. I'm always going to have this pain. I can't find anyone to help me with my pain. There's no solution to my pain. This pain is going to be the death of me. This pain is always going to be here. This pain interferes with everything. And they're very normal thoughts that people develop. The challenge with that is as those thoughts develop, it increases not only your pain intensity, but also the duration of your pain. So when we start to approach someone, obviously from a place of compassion, those, those, those thoughts are very normal. But we start to help them reframe some of those thoughts. And as we reframe those thoughts, their pain intensity decreases. 
as well as the pain duration, they start to feel better. So oftentimes, looking at the emotional factors, looking at the emotional um, kind of smoke signals, if you will, are a really good way to start to approach people who have chronic pain. Beautiful. Thank you for that explanation. The people listening to this podcast today are familiar with that cycle. And I, I want to point out to everyone that it's uh, many ways to enter that cycle. So it is the physical way with the physical injury or the way through with emotional injury, considering negative thinking, staying in the loop and feeding the pain. If I can just, you know, let's put the, the icing on the cake for this is that many people think you, you need an injury to have pain. And the truth is you can have emotional pain and develop physical pain. And in fact, physical pain and emotional pain looks the same when we look at it under functional MRIs in the brain. So what can what's what could cause an emotional injury? Really anything in your life, stress, a recent trauma. It could also be a past trauma. So oftentimes those with early life trauma wind up having chronic pain syndromes later in life. So you could have, like I said, you can have an emotional trauma or a physical trauma, and either one can really be your entry point into living with chronic pain. Thank you so much. That is the icing on the cake because this is a piece that is not often talked about. And so your work is really important here in helping to bring this out. There are um, a few other people talking about this, and, at least in my circles. And uh, I think it's important for people to actually get that because you may need help when you have chronic pain. Your way out may be through the emotions, uh, mm -hmm. through the feeling, being able to uh, get down to why this is continuing. And it may not have ever been caused by a physical injury. And I think that's kind of new to a lot of people, Dr. Joe. I don't think a lot of people are thinking along those lines. Can you tell us how the brain is is contributing to the pain? I sure can. We know that chronic pain really is a disorder or a disease of, of the central nervous system. So people have a challenge with pain processing. Mm. For some reason, the parts of the brain, oftentimes the amygdala and part of your prefrontal cortex are not communicating properly, and you're stuck in this harm alarm phase. So parts that are very similar to anxiety, actually similar parts of the brain are left firing or left in this alarm phase. And it can turn on, that harm alarm can turn on at times when it shouldn't. So chronic pain really is maladaptive. Pain ultimately really is about protection. So with acute pain, that makes sense. But when we move into chronic pain, that signal, that pain signal is really maladaptive adaptive because in essence, there's nothing wrong physically. There's nothing physically that's happening. Oftentimes the brain is still firing when it shouldn't. If the brain is, is the problem then at that point, how can we leverage the actual healing power of our own minds and our bodies to heal this pain that's being started in the brain? Well, we, yeah, we, we spoke about it earlier. Talking about emotions is oftentimes a wonderful place. So there are many ways to do that. Some of it is just awareness. I often have patients, one of the biggest complaints, Gina, is patients with chronic pain say, I have no idea. I was fine yesterday, but today all of a sudden my pain turned on for some reason. And I have no idea what happened. I didn't move. I didn't go for a jog. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't go to yoga class. And the pain started. And 
those are patients that I, I love when I hear that because I often tell patients, when that happens, I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to take a deep breath and try to get yourself into a, as relaxed state as possible. And I want you to think within the last hour to 24 hours, where did some type of harm come up in your life? So that harm could be maybe an argument you had with someone or that potential harm or danger signal could have been that you have um, something due at work, a big project that is on, on your mind and you're anxious about it. Or it could be that you haven't been exercising at all and the body likes exercise and when it's sedentary, it'll let you know it. So oftentimes thinking back to the last hour to 24 hours and trying to tap into those sensations or those emotions of fear, anger, guilt, sadness, oftentimes there's an emotion that sits behind your pain. So just trying to figure out what that one emotion is, just that one simple emotion can start to elucidate what the problem is. After that, mindful based, mindfulness-based stress reduction is a wonderful thing that I use in practice and I talk to patients about all the time. Um, specifically, loving-kindness meditations are wonderful for people with chronic pain as oftentimes there are many, many parts of their life they need to look at and start to change. And it could be anything from sleep to their personal relationships to their, their diet and lifestyle factors. So going into a loving-kindness meditation where you give yourself some space to change, you give yourself some room to make the changes in your life can be really wonderful for people. And oftentimes those with the worst types of chronic pain, they may need a, a qualified mental health professional to really guide them and support them through the changes. Yeah, you may need some extra support, but there's no harm in doing these things. Get yourself started. Loving, loving kindness is also called metta, and mm -hmm. uh, many of the verses in the loving kindness verses, uh, many of them are, may, may I be safe, may I be happy, may I be free from suffering. And I like to have May, which is the month that this show is going to be airing. Uh, May is for Meta. So thank you for bringing up loving kindness, Dr. <laughs> Joe. It is truly, people have no idea how healing uh, mindfulness and loving kindness, specifically meditation can be. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? I'd love to hear that. I can. You know, oftentimes people come to me and they're, they're very frustrated. And, you know, they'll sit down in front of me and they'll say, you know, I've seen the best physician in all of New York City. I did my research and he's the top rheumatologist or he's the top psychiatrist. And they really feel like they have reached a limit and nothing can really help them. And oftentimes, you know, it's really just sitting down with people and holding their hand. You know, that could be obviously physically or it could be metaphorically and saying there's a way out of this the human body both your brain and your body your mind has a wonderful ability to heal itself and it's never too late and i do a similar meditation to you what you mentioned the the, the i part you know but ultimately as i bring people through meta ultimately i have them using their name and when they start to use their name in meditation they start to talk to their subconscious as well as their conscious and they say, say things like gina Today, you're going to work in some simple movement into your life, just five minutes. Or Gina, today you're going to give yourself the space to do 10 minutes of meditation. Or Gina, you have the right to be healthy, wealthy, and live pain-free. And when you start to work those things into the meditation and you start to speak directly to your subconscious, ultimately your subconscious is going to process that and it's going to move it to your consciousness 
And you'll start to develop those habits that are needed for change a lot easier than if you just do it kind of in a very rote way where you're writing things down or you're scheduling things. Ultimately, your subconscious mind is always at work when you're anxious. Your subconscious mind is always at work when you're in chronic pain. And by talking to it and being really gentle with it and, and loving it and loving yourself, in essence, is a wonderful way to begin some of the changes you need in life. Wow, that's perfect. That bringing up the subconscious, thank you for bringing that up. It is always there and it is always working and we're not aware of it. So I love your little twist of kind of speaking to that, speaking and letting the subconscious process that and let new things bubble up through that. Beautiful using the name. I'll have to check into that. It's not something that I have done in my own meditation. So Joe, Dr. Joe Tata, this was a very informative time with you today. I wonder if you have any last words for my listeners who may be either in an acute phase of their pain or really stuck in a chronic pain situation. Well, my message for everyone is if you have chronic pain, first of all, know your pain is real, that it's not in your head, you're not imagining it, and there are 100% natural ways to heal it without drugs or surgery or medications, of course. And I have a great quiz for your tribe. They can go to thepainquiz.com and it's a really simple quiz where they can take and they can discover the root cause of their pain and how to heal it naturally. I'll put that in the show notes also. Everybody be sure to go to thepainquiz.com and uh, take that quiz. That's excellent. It's a really good thing for you to check out. Dr. Joe Tata, thank you for your time and for your expertise. And everyone, for more information, visit drjoetata.com, D-R-J-O-E-T-A-T-T-A.com, and all of that will be in the show notes. Dr. Joe, thank you again. Thank you. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com.